podcast where three average Joes discuss the significant topics in movie culture. My name is Justin Mancini. I am one of your co-hosts here, and I am joined, uh, as always, by my fellow co-host. He is the podcast editor for thepoprate.com, Alex Marcus. Hello, Alex. Hello, Justin. Very nice to have you back. (laughs) Yes, my uh, favorite time of year, the fall, where the leaves change and good movies are finally released. It's the most wonderful time of the film schedule release calendar. And making his presence known with aplomb, my other co-host, who has uh, starred with me on our <laughs> Genesis podcast, Pot on the Rooftops, Noah France. Hello, Noah. More like a bomb. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right, hey, guys. It's all a matter of perspective. Yes. <laughs> Well, we are here uh, for Cinema Joe's, a podcast where we typically talk about a movie release and then a broader topic related to that movie release. Uh, But today we're going to be doing our fall movie preview for the year 2021. Um, This is uh, these episodes, as I've mentioned before, are some of my favorites uh, because there's so much to look forward to until we actually start watching a lot of the movies and (laughs) and have our (laughs) optimism dashed upon the rocks. But before then, we have many thoughts on these films that have not yet graced our eyes, and we'll be getting into all of that. Um, So before we do that, though, I did want to spend a little bit of time uh, just talking about our summer movie preview from this year and about movies we either saw and confirmed our feelings about or really didn't like or didn't even bother to see. So uh, I wanted to start uh, just with looking back at some of those some of the major movies, um, but there's a lot of places we could start here. Um, I did want us just to start off by saying um, In the Heights, we were all very excited for and all really liked. So that's a good thing. Yes. <laughs> I know I was a little bit wary about um, wondering if uh, the film was going to be able to balance the sort of harder edges of the lives of these characters along with the more ecstatic musical numbers and i think it did that pretty well um so i was very happy about that and um i'm still i still have a lot of those songs in my head (laughs) seeing it because i saw it a couple of times now yes and of course it was not without its controversies right we talked a little bit in a review episode about the colorism issue that kind of uh marred i think a bit of the enthusiasm around the film and certainly with good reason um not saying that that controversy was unwarranted uh but yeah i think ultimately i wanted that movie to be like my favorite movie of the year and it certainly was a really really good film that i enjoyed quite a lot um definitely up there in terms of my favorite films of the year so far but that unfortunately i think says a little bit more about the quality of films that have been released this year um Mm -hmm. than how extraordinary in the heights was um i also wanted to spotlight another movie that we briefly mentioned uh but i bring it up because of something noah said about it uh noah said he was definitely going to see woman in the window did that happen no no i did not see that (laughs) Oh, man, because me and Justin saw once, it. <laughs> yes. Once the truckloads of shit started to hit the review pages, I was like, ah, I can't be bothered. I'm still recovering from 2020. <laughs> As was Amy Adams in the film The Woman in the Window. 
Shira's still Yes, Pandemic Alex definitely liked it. The hallucinations. Definitely liked it more than I than me. <laughs> Let's just say that. Yeah. I, I, just, I chose, you know, I chose I, instead to start watching Cowboy Bebop, and I do not think that that was the wrong choice. I, listen, why not both, is what I'm going to say. <laughs> I mean, the thing the thing that Woman in the Window taught me is that Julianne Moore should be the woman in the window in every film that exists, and every movie would be better if that happened. It's just a Julianne Moore and a window. Looking at the at the movies that I'm excited for for this fall, I can't think of a single one that wouldn't be improved without with Julianne Moore as a woman in the window. So you know. Venom, let there be carnage. And Absolutely windows. would yes. be better yes. Julianne Moore as a woman in the window. I also wanted to, I'm kind of jumping around here, but um, when we talked about Suicide Squad, this was also one that we were all very excited for. And that, again, I think we all really liked. Um, but just a few things that I, I wanted to spotlight with things that Alex said about the film. Um, Alex, you said, this cast is way too big. I'm expecting many to die quickly. And uh, that was confirmed within the very first yeah. scene. Absolutely. <laughs> Good on you Called for that. <laughs> um, well, another thing you said that I think we maybe felt different about having seen the film was you said, here's hoping Joel Kinnaman dies quickly. <laughs> not only does he yeah. not die quickly in in terms of the the running time of the film, but he also doesn't die quickly in terms of his actual death. This is true. It takes yeah. him quite a long time to die. He does die spectacularly, so at least yes. there's that. Um, the other, an, another movie I wanted to bring up, which we've talked about probably more than I ever expected to, uh, Space Jam: A New Legacy, which <laughs> <laughs> Noah and I were not especially keen on seeing. Alex, you said I'm not excited, but I will be watching it. You were also well, curious was... about Terrence Nance's involvement, and you said I expect to enjoy it. I did watch Space Jam A New Legacy, and I did not enjoy it at all. It was shockingly boring and offensive on top of everything else. So I thought it would be bad in a fun way, and it was just bad in a bad way. So there was that. The ending is pretty in- inexplicable, though. Um, Alex, I know that you also listened back to our episode on this. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to spotlight? Yeah, so my whole thing was that when I thought about our summer movie preview and I was thinking back and I was thinking, did I see any movies this summer? And I did. Mm. I actually saw quite a number of movies. I counted. I went into my letterbox and I counted and I saw 56 films between the months of May and August. Uh, but only 12 were newly released films during that period of time. (laughs) And, uh, and only eight were mentioned on our preview podcast. So lots of movies were discussed in that episode that I I never ended up seeing. I was going to say my film count for the year stands at 31 right now. Yeah, well, I watch more movies than you do, but the biggest, the biggest thing for me was just how many movies I was on tape saying that looks really interesting and I would be really I would love to check it out that not only did I not watch but I genuinely had forgotten existed altogether like I did not remember <laughs> that it ever came out that no one ever spoke of it no one it does not exist like fully does not exist as films uh there was a lot of those in our preview for the summer so I'm really hopeful that uh the fall is bears a little bit more fruit um yeah in this episode <laughs> any anything any thoughts from you Noah based on like things you were really looking forward to that either confirmed or were denied based on your viewing experience? No, the, the main stuff I saw, Mitchell's versus the Machine, Suicide Squad, 
the Green Knight in the Heights. Those were the big, that was the big stuff that I was probably the most interested in. And I think all four of those more or less fell within my range of expectations, like maybe not quite as good or a little bit better, but they, they all, they were all movies that I was genuinely excited for. And they all in, in to varying degrees fulfilled those expectations. So. Yeah. And, and you know, you were probably the biggest fan of the Green Knight of the three of us. Was I? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> based on your review <laughs> and based oh. on what I heard from Alex and knowing my own thoughts. Um, <laughs> I also well, I will I take do... I will take that crown. Yeah. Even if it sets my head on fire. All right. Well, uh, we can move on because I know we have a lot of films to discuss. Um, but uh, how are you guys feeling about the fall? It's looking a little bit. I mean, I'm certainly a little less optimistic about um, the <laughs> Whether I'm going to be seeing a lot of these movies in theaters, um, I think in the summer I was like really keen on doing it. We had a very different lay of the land in terms of the pandemic and in terms of uh, what the variants were looking like at the time. Um, So how are you guys feeling about just, I guess, being able to see these movies? I ultimately ended up only seeing four films in theaters this summer, which was a big surprise for me. I was really hoping that the summer meant that we could really get back into theaters in a real way. And I was really excited about that because I had missed going to the movies for so long. It's really one of the things that I love to do most, especially when I had like a free afternoon to myself or just like a Sunday morning where nothing much was happening. I would always love to just go to the movies, have some popcorn, see whatever is playing, even if it wasn't something that I was super super excited to see just going was really fun um and you know i had i was a an exclusive amc a-list member as <laughs> our uh, close fans may know and so you know it was a very it was a there was a value to that it was as well you know it's a, a very economical uh sort of subscription plan that they were offering so long as you see a, a, you know a handful of movies a month it's worth it to you um and I always used to. And then, you know, this summer, I was really hoping to see the case numbers in my area continue to fall and the situation improve. And it did in uh, the short term. But then, of course, the Delta variant really came and kind of messed everything up for everyone. And my film viewing experience is the least important aspect of that, of course. But it definitely uh, made so that way I just didn't get to see many things. And I pretty much anything that I could have seen Uh, at home, I did. And what that really has taught me, a lot of these windows that we have right now are, you know, waiting a couple of weeks to see it at home, or some of them are still day and date, but many of the studios are moving off of that and just uh, moving to a three to six week window. And, you know, it's really not that hard to wait six weeks for a movie. There's a lot of other stuff to do and a lot of other stuff going on. So I think I'm going to continue to be seeing a lot of things at home uh, for the near future. It's it's more economical at this point for me. And uh, it makes me really sad because, you know, when all this started, a lot of people were afraid that uh, this was going to that this pandemic, among many other things, was going to kind of kill the uh, theatrical movie going experience. And I was kind of one of those people who was like, look, I love to go to the movies. A lot of people love to go to the movies. I don't think that this is going to change just because we're putting a temporary pause on things for a few months. Um, You guys are kind of being hysterical. And I've seen in myself even that like my preferences and habits have shifted. And uh, and that makes me sad. But it's true. So I don't know what to do about that. But yeah, uh, long story short is I definitely don't think I'm going to be seeing as many movies in theaters. I'm definitely 
going to be more comfortable waiting to see them on streaming when they come up and, you know, be willing to spend the $3 to rent them or wait until they're free for me on the streaming services that I already have. Yeah, I think I feel about the same way. Well, of course, part of the issue for me is also going to be access to these movies. You know, I'm, I'm living in Germany. My wife works in film distribution. And, you know, I hear from her that's kind of nuts right now because theaters are, you know, trying to regain some semblance of normalcy and profit. And so that's leading to very weird dynamics in terms of what films actually get booked. Like, we were actually both surprised, like, we both were interested in seeing The Green Knight, but that got a very weirdly restricted release over here. It just was not getting booked by too many theaters. So I so the, the, the it's less a question of what film would I be interested in seeing given the chance and more what's actually going to be available. I definitely want to start returning to a theater more Um but I just have no clue what's going to be accessible for the next couple months. How about you, Justin? Uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm very, um, I think this is like, I want to be able to see more things in theaters. I didn't, I didn't see as many things in theaters as I was planning to during the summer. Um, but like in the early going, it was looking pretty good. Like I was seeing things like pretty much on a weekly basis. And then I just kind of dropped off. So I don't know. Uh, I think it's something I'm going to watch for if I am starting to feel more and more, uh, you know, wary of of the way that the variants have are proliferating, uh, then it definitely will be more streaming because I have plenty of streaming stuff I still need to catch up with from earlier in the year. Um, so I think I'll be perfectly fine uh, with doing that. Hmm. So, yeah, it's it stinks. It's one of those things where you can just think about it and just be completely frustrated and devastated. And at the same time, recognize there's not really a whole lot you can do to change things. Um, so, you know, you kind of have to just accept it and try to figure out, you know, what the best course forward is. Yep. So. And on that note, let's talk about all the movies we're excited to see this fall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe. If we're allowed. So uh, I guess we'll go, we're going to go month to month, starting with October. Um, I did. I, and we don't necessarily have to do this for each month, but I guess I was curious of maybe starting by asking you guys, is there, if there had to be one movie for the month of October that you are definitely seeing, doesn't have to be in theaters, just definitely seeing when it's released, what would it be? Mm-hmm. I think, I think I would have to go with the last duel just because oh, okay. I really dig, I, I really dig the idea of Ridley Scott directing um, this, this cast. There's also, I mean, I am very interested in seeing Dune, but I have absolutely, I have absolutely zero personal history or experience with the whole Dune thing. I'm simply aware of it as this thing that is in part legendary for being a series of failed film projects that never got off the ground. So it's, I'm interested in seeing it, but I have no like personal investment of like, oh my God, they're adapting my favorite book. I really hope they don't fuck it up, you know? So it's. I, I'd go with the last duel. That'd be the one that's that's probably sight unseen pikes my interest the most. That's interesting. Uh, there is a Ridley Scott movie coming out this fall who I am extremely excited for, especially getting to see him direct his cast. But it is not the last duel. It's a movie that'll come up later in this episode. Um, for me, I, I just I kind of think that that movie is maybe going to be uh dreadful and maybe a mistake um because it's the last duel it could be yeah the last duel (laughs) 
<laughs> I know that they I, I know that they it's like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon wrote the script for the movie. Um it's like their first movie that they've written together since Goodwill Hunting. Uh they had to hire Nicole Hall of Center uh to kind of go through the script and improve it because it had some major problems. Um and yeah, I don't know, it's just like a movie about how like, you know, Jodie Comer, I love Jodie Comer, she's so fantastic, and it's a movie about how she gets raped and then like Matt Damon has to defend her honor against Adam Driver, and it's like that, I don't really, who who is that for? I don't know, I guess there's a way in which that's a good movie, but... Uh, Adam Driver stands. I mean, but there's so there's other options for Adam Driver stands, even people who want to see Ridley Scott direct Adam Driver. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so that that is definitely not on my list. I will be honest about that. Um, my number one. I mean, I wish that you could. I wish that my answer could be what day this October are you most excited for? Because it would definitely be Timmy Day, uh, which is the uh, <laughs> day that Dune and the French Dispatch come out <laughs> on the same day. Is that is uh, very very exciting that Alex you know, hereby proclaims the 22nd of October to be Timmy Day. <laughs> yeah, I mean I'm not alone in that, but yes, absolutely. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Timothy Chalamet, uh, one of my favorite actors, um, who I may or may not also have a crush on, uh, he is Timmy Boy, Tim Tim. Direct. He is starring in Dune and The French Dispatch that are both inexplicably being released on the same day, October 22nd. So that's the day that I'm most excited for. Oh, hey, Benicio uh, Del Toro's in The French Dispatch. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, French Dispatch has, like, an insane cast. It what, did, Owen Wilson in, in a Wes Anderson film? I know. It's Madness. pretty shocking departure for him. Um, but, you know, he's been a superhero now, so he gets the chance to kind of stretched by being in the West. That's Anderson true. Movie. He, was my, he was my favorite part of Loki. I gotta <laughs> be honest. But yeah, so if I, I also am not like a huge Dune person. I actually watched the original Dune for the first time last year with some friends. And that was certainly an experience. Um, oh, but, okay. you know, any movie that has a cast featuring Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Stellan Skarsgård, David Bautista, Zendaya, David Deshamelan, uh, you know, just like Jason Momoa, Charlotte Rampling, Javier Bardem. Like, how is that movie going to be Bardem. bad? I don't know. I do. I think I am the person on this podcast who likes Danny Villeneuve the least. So that is always a, a concern for me. Obviously, uh, Arrival is his masterpiece, in my opinion. I think that is his one good movie. Um, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> it makes it makes me worried. Uh, but I, you know, if I get to my plan is to go see the French Dispatch um, like early in the morning for a screening available. Come home, watch Dune on my iPad, much to Villeneuve's. Uh, <laughs> Just a spice. <laughs> satisfaction. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it'll be an excellent day, and I'll be very excited for that. Um, but yeah, if if I had to pick one movie, it would it would maybe be the French Dispatch. But also, the Last Night in Soho is like right up there, and that's man. Have you guys watched the trailer for Last Night in Soho? The new Edgar I Edgar have. Movie? Yes. I have not. It is my. Oh. It is my one like most yeah okay so then month, so, yeah. i'll let you i'll let <laughs> okay. you speak on that then yeah um yeah it's wild um i didn't really know for the longest time i tried to avoid learning anything about it just because i wanted to go in you know just knowing freezing just, cold yeah just to kind of let the film um speak for itself 
Um, but I did look, I did uh, a little bit of what I could find about it. Uh, this, the, the premise of this film, for those who don't know, this is about an aspiring fashion designer is mysteriously able to enter the 60s where she encounters a dazzling wannabe singer. But the glamour is not all it appears to be, and the dreams of the past start to crack and splinter into something darker. Um, and the trailer, as you mentioned, Alex, is like almost looks like a the thing that I thought watching it was it was almost like um, a more sinister version of Midnight in Paris, like oh, going back okay. into this more nostalgic place that has this like dark and sinister undertone to it, right. um, which sure. starts to become more overtone as the trailer goes along to the point where they're like. Like it almost reminded me of something like like David Cronenberg with like arms breaking through walls and <laughs> trying to um, trying to apprehend poor Thomas and Mackenzie. Um, yeah, it also really... has like a very like Suspiria kind of like yes. 70s like art house kind of horror vibe to it as well. Yeah, and I and I know for like Edgar Wright has talked at length about how much a fan he is of Argento, so I'm sure that's not accidental. Um, it's got a great cast. Thomas McKenzie, who I mentioned, is the main character, although maybe sharing a dual lead role with Anya Taylor-Joy, who is her sort of doppel or sorry, alter ego in this 1960s setting. Um, it's also got Matt Smith, Terrence Stamp, and uh, I believe a last appearance from Dame Diana Rigg. So uh, just a really uh, amazing Amazing cast. I, I I like that there's still a lot of mystery to this film. I think it looks incredible. Um, it's I don't know. It's the exact kind of like horror thriller that uh, I didn't know I needed. And it's Edgar Wright, so I feel like it has to be good. Yeah, I'm very excited to see that movie. It should be very interesting. And I love Matt Smith playing someone who appears to be very villainous. He's a great, like, everyone I think, well, not everyone, but a certain group of everyone know him first and foremost as the Doctor from Doctor Who, and he's excellent in that role. But he has a sinister side to him that when he plays it well, it's really, really effective. There's also the chance that, you know, he could get cast as um, Skynet, in a terrible <laughs> Terminator movie, and then it doesn't work so well. But I think that you know, <laughs> I trust Edgar Wright. Uh. <laughs> wow, so I, I'm just noticing on the same day that Last Night in Soho comes out, this other movie on the list, Army of Thieves, is directed by Matthias Schweighöfer. Which, oh my god, I don't know if that makes me more or less inclined to eventually see that movie. So for, for our audience members, Matthias Schweighöfer is a German actor who's been famous for quite a while in Germany, but he's pretty much known for just doing really dumb, basic romantic comedies, like just the same movie over and over again. Oh, and he's the one German actor who is always in these movies. And that's why he's famous, because just they literally cast no one else in these movies. Oh, so this this seems like a pretty big movie, though. It's got like it's uh, it's a Netflix release. It's got uh, Natalie Emmanuel, who uh, many people know from Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's it's like, I don't know. I, I, I'm intrigued. <laughs> Just the idea of him directing is, is kind of mind boggling to me, but I don't know. Well, I'll give him a chance. Justin, are there other films coming out in October that intrigue you? Yes, there definitely are. There are two that look incredibly disturbing <laughs> and they could, for all I know, they could be like the worst kind of thing for me. But for now, I'm like very sort of warily optimistic about them. Uh, one is called Titan, 
which is uh, fresh off winning the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival from this year, written and directed by Julia Ducournau, who, of course, did the film Raw from a few years ago. Um, did either of you see that movie? No, no I, I don't know if I could handle it. Yeah, that okay. was also my feeling as well. <laughs> I've heard it's very intense. I'm, I'm just like, you know, I'll take your word for it that it's great. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I was maybe like, I, I liked it a lot. I don't know if I was rapturous about it, but it's definitely something that I expected to be more intense than it actually was. Um, so, uh, you know, I'll just say that about it, but, um, one of the, uh, act, the lead actress from that film, Garance Morillier, she is also in this film. Um, so, uh, Duke are now working with some of the same cast, but also working with some new, newer people, um, including uh, Vincent Lindon, who is an actor that is that I'm familiar with uh, from a film called The Measure of a Man from a few years ago, which looks like the polar opposite in terms of tone and content <laughs> from this film, which I should say, I, I can't find like a real concise premise of the film, uh, but it's pretty wild, to say the least. Uh, from what I could find on Wikipedia, it's listed as a mentally disturbed woman who becomes pregnant after having sex with a car. But that seems to be the least uh, strange thing about it. And this um, is starring uh, Charles. That sounds like uh, an American male's wet dream. This is starring Cameron Diaz. It's a sequel to The Council. <laughs> <laughs> I will not lie. I did think of that reading the premise of this film. Um, but so it's, this uh, is how the Cars franchise gets started. Now it oh, all makes oh, sense. Oh no! Oh, please no! Yikes! <laughs> um, Have we, I ruined the best Pixar movie for you guys now? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what did it. Um, sure, yeah. <laughs> the lead actress here is—I'm uh, not super familiar with her. I mean, her name is Agatha uh, Roussel, um, but I've heard really good things about her performance in this. It seems to be working with like, you know, obviously themes of, of violence. There's like there's a lot of there seems to be a lot of murder, <laughs> and, but also some strange body horror stuff involving like metal plates with a car. in bodies. <laughs> so it almost like reading about it sounds kind of like somewhere between David Cronenberg's crash and Tetsuo the Iron Man. And I was it looks just, incredibly I was just wild. About to say, I was. Have either of you seen Tetsuo the Iron Man? I've seen no, clips. I haven't seen the I, whole thing. I haven't seen it, but I remember Noah when you once in great detail reviewed it on the podcast. So people uh, can uh, check that yeah, old no, episode so, out if you want. <laughs> it is. It, it it is an experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a nice guy. Like the, the I met the director at Nippon. It's a nice guy. Anyway. Okay. Yeah, so guys, I forgot that. I forgot that this movie was coming out in October, by the way. Um, I don't think it would have made my list because it's I just I don't know. I don't think it's my kind of movie, but I certainly am excited for you to watch it and tell me what you think about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. OK, so so guys, we, we're dancing around the elephant in the room. The big question for October is obviously is No Time to Die actually fucking finally going to come out in theaters so that I can stop being forced to sit through the same trailer that I've been watching for literally five years now in front of every <laughs> single movie I go to see, will I be freed from this curse? Or is this like, is, is this just a, a, a new circle of hell where this movie never comes out and all other trailers are subsumed into the insanely long trailer for this movie that I've been seeing nonstop? 
I mean, part of me wonders if it's not just like those like trailers that ran in the middle of Grindhouse where they're just like it's not for an actual movie that exists. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's weird. It feels like this movie came out two years ago and the sequel is about to be released more than anything yeah. else. You know, and, and I'm not I'm not lying. Like, it does not matter what movie, what genre, what subject matter, like whatever. This trailer is played in front of everything that I've seen in theaters. It, it, it feels like it's gone back into the past and inserted itself into my memories of seeing other movies. Yeah, I think it's possible. I mean, you know, the film was originally supposed to come out um, spring 2020. And uh, so the marketing blitz started in fall 2019. And uh, and it just revs up and then slows down and revs up and slows down <laughs> every few months since then. So, yeah, I, it does feel like it's just as part of the air at this point, along with <laughs> other things um, that are less great. So, but I mean, you know, it's uh, Carrie uh, Joji Fukunaga is a really sure. talented director. You know, um, Daniel Craig uh, used wants to be out. really interesting <laughs> as Bond. Um, Rami Malik. He's been wanting out for years. Rami Malik certainly could be a really interesting Bond villain. Lashana Lynch is an actress that I really oh, like, yes. and uh, it was at one point exciting to think about her being a spy in this franchise um, back when the movie felt like it was going to be released. So there's things to be excited about, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's ever coming out. I don't know when it's going to come out. I, apparently it, it was delayed in Australia, but it hasn't been delayed here. So who knows? Maybe by the time people are listening to this episode, they will know. Um, of course, we want to. We should probably say we're recording this at the beginning of September, so uh, things could change between then and now. Um but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Insert, I'll, I'll... insert the narrator's voice from SpongeBob 50 years later. At long <laughs> last, the world premiere of No Time to Die finally arrives. I'm going to be honest. I don't think I'm probably going to see this in theaters. I'll probably wait. And, it's I mean, like, I'm not going to see it either long. way because I loathe James Bond with every fiber of my being. And we can just put all every copy of every James Bond movie on a raft out to sea as far as I'm concerned. But I mean, I will say, like, there are definitely like there are a lot of things about the Bond like franchise that I do not like. Like I'm definitely not a big fan of the earlier days as as a lot of people are. I will say I've enjoyed most of the well, okay, two <laughs> of the four so far. <laughs> most so of uh, two, uh, one and a half. <laughs> but you know, I I will say one of the things that does give me a little bit more optimism about this is that you know it's a change in the creative team uh fukunaga who you mentioned alex uh phoebe waller bridge is on the screenplay for this which gives me some hope um and i don't know i mean i also you've got the you know if you got a returning uh you got a reunion uh knives out reunion with ana de armas and uh daniel craig so there's that too i don't know i i'm probably more uh optimistic for this one um than i would be um without uh, you know if it had just been like the same kind of elements that we've seen um say in like the last bond film which i was not a big fan of yeah i i do believe that we recently found out that the movie's like two and a half hours long though so that is also a isn't a it like concern. almost three yeah i think it's like 245 maybe oh okay but right, yeah not, yeah Okay, well, it's <laughs> a lot. Are there uh, are there any other um, you know blockbuster films? We're not really talking about those. I mean, I guess Dune would kind of qualify as that. But are there any franchise films other than Bond that are coming out this month that you guys are excited about before we move on? 
We have, you know, we have Venom, Let Them Be Carnage. If that doesn't move, we have Halloween Kills, the David Gordon Green sequel. Um, You know, there's some stuff. Again, I think, did either of you see David Gordon Green's Halloween? Uh, No. No. Because I was definitely not a fan. (laughs) And I, when I saw they're doing a sequel, I'm like, all right, like, it's just not, it's just not my thing. Not, not the way that they're doing it now. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I gotta say, to answer your question, Alex, not a not a ton of, ter- of franchise stuff, unless you count maybe, I don't know. Does the Many Saints of Newark count? <laughs> it counts in my book. That's that would yeah. have been my answer. I'm yeah. very stoked for that movie. I have to say, wow. when I heard that it was happening a couple years ago, I thought like, oh no, don't do that. That's gonna be a disaster. Like, why are you gonna go back to the well? Um, but I, it looks cool, and like Alexand- the cast that they got, like Alexandra, uh, Alexandro uh, Navala, uh, Leslie Odom Jr., John yeah. Bernthal, yes. Corey Stoll, Billy Magnuson, uh, Ray Liotta, Vera Farmiga. Also, um, James Gandolfini's son is playing James Gandolfini's character uh, as a younger man in the film. Michael Gandolfini is his name. So. You know, I mean, Alan Taylor is is a director of television that I've I've enjoyed. Uh, he's not made a single like good film since he's tried to break into the <laughs> director film of Noah's world. favorite film of all time, Thor: The Dark World. Sure, and of and Terminator Genesis. <laughs> oh right, well, yeah, there we go. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. He's it's but this is kind of going back to his TV roots in a way. So we'll see. And David Chase did write the screenplay, so. And I will say, I don't think I've mentioned this to you yet, Alex, but I've been actually catching up with The Sopranos in anticipation of this. No, you have not told me that. Yeah. Wow, that's exciting. So I, I'm i hoping I, I'm like midway through season three right now. Oh, OK. So, You'll be able to get through it then. I it, think so. Yeah. The back half has fewer like the back half seasons have fewer episodes than the first half. So. Oh, OK, cool. You'll get through them faster. Um, yeah, I saw the trailer for this. I was, I thought it was really, really great. I mean, Navola is just like, just the charisma, just like, <laughs> just totally like, um, just so undeniable. Um, playing Dicky Moltisanti, who is Christopher Moltisanti, who's a major character in the film, his his uh, father. Um, and I don't know, just the little glimpses that I've seen of Michael Gandolfini, like, there's, he's definitely nailing some of those. Uh, some of those ticks and quirks and uh i don't know i'm digging it so i and i love the look of the film too i think it, it's it doesn't feel like they were trying to ape the television show at all it feels like a much more of a period piece and uh i like this sort of backdrop of the newark riots which is not something that's really talked about in history anywhere <laughs> so um i think there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of good stuff in it some of the casting definitely made me raise an eyebrow, which I know you've mentioned, Alex, about Billy Magnuson as Polly Walnuts. That's going to be, <laughs> I don't know what that looks like. Uh, we'll see. I'm so excited to find out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's 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 good. I'm excited. Um, another quick, there's a two uh, Sundance movies that are supposed to be released this, this month, Passing uh, and uh, Mass. And I think Passing is the one that got... A lot of press, I think, probably because you know it is uh, has a more famous cast with Tessa Thompson and um, uh, who's the other? oh uh, with Our Tessa Thompson Alexander and Ruth Nega. 
also Alexander Skarsgård, but our actual favorite, um, Andre Holland, and of course the illustrious Bill Camp. Um, and it's directed by Rebecca Hall, who is an actress that I think we all enjoy. Um, oh, yeah. You know, it's going to be on Netflix. I'm definitely going to be checking it out. But the movie that I'm actually more excited about that is supposed to be coming out this month from Netflix is a movie called Mass, which, uh, mm. do you guys know about this? Yes. Mm. Yeah, yes. so it's directed by Fran Krantz, who uh, most people will know as the guy with the haircut from the Dollhouse um, and Cabin in the Woods, um, but who uh, is making, a, he's writing and directing this movie, and it's basically, it's 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 just a four-hander. It's two sets of parents played by a great uh, set of character actors, Reed Burney and Dowd, Jason Isaacs, and Martha Plimpton, all people I really enjoy, um, and it's about... Um, I guess uh, one of it's about the aftermath of a school shooting is is all I'll say. And it it has like that quality to it that seems like it's like a play, but on screen. And I always love those as long as they can be done well, you know, obviously. Um, and so that makes me really excited. And I'm excited to see those actors get these opportunities. And uh, and yeah, I've been looking forward to this for a while. So that's uh, my like kind of sleeper pick for the month of October. Nice. Yeah, um, there's a couple. I'll just do brief mentions of a few more from this month that I really uh, that I think look interesting. One is Lamb, which is a looks to be oh, an, an no. A24 horror film, which absolutely <laughs> not. Again, one of those disturbing ones that may or may not be my cup of tea. Um, but it starts. Don't, maybe, don't think. It, did you see the trailer to this? I don't think I it's did. actually a horror movie. I think it's just A24 like playing tricks on people, and it's just a movie from Europe. <laughs> I mean. I would love that if that were the case. I mean, they do play Beach Boy, the Beach Boys, uh, God Only Knows, during uh-huh. it. So, yeah, that that does seem to confirm that. Um, and it stars Numi Rapace, who I feel like is an actress I really love, but hasn't, like, has just been in dud after dud for so long. And this looks like uh, something she was very involved with from the beginning. She is one of the executive producers on it. Um, I also want to mention uh, a film that I think might be up uh especially up noah's alley it's an animated film coming out called the spine of night which uh is an ultra violent epic fantasy set in a land of magic that follows heroes from different eras and cultures battle uh, cultures battling against a malevolent force and the way it played the way that i could see like the the way that the trailer is it almost looks like and like something from adult swim but like taken more seriously uh it just is a very interesting animation style and some of the voice cast is pretty great including richard e grant and betty gabriel so i did at least want to give that one a mention too take my money (laughs) what is that is that coming in theaters is like so that is going to be in theaters and vod okay what studio is is behind it um that's a good question um i know it played i believe it it premiered at south by southwest um Ah, okay so it has that kind of that kind of vibe to it um i didn't recognize the director but i wonder to me it almost seems like it could be based on like a short film or something i'm really excited to get into november i think that november despite the fact that we just spent like 35 minutes talking about October. I think that November is the most exciting month of the fall in terms of new releases. So I want to know from Justin, what is the movie that he is second most excited for? Because I think I know (laughs) the what's most excited for. (laughs) Ah, yes. I I wonder. 
Um, that's a good question. I'm maybe a little le- I'm maybe a little less um interested in some of the films from this month. Um, Ooh, but interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna actually go with uh a western called The Harder They Fall, which is coming on Netflix. Um, it's directed by James Samuel, who doesn't have a ton of credits. He did direct a short uh, Western with, uh, I believe, Rosario Dawson from a few years ago now. And this film almost looks like a um, a like this is a Western with a primarily African-American cast or African-British because you got Idris Elba as well um, with some vibes of like black exploitation and spaghetti Western. And I just. I'm just so intrigued by it. It's just got a great cast, including Jonathan Majors, um, Regina uh, Regina King, um, Lakeith Stanfield, Zazie Beetz. I mean, Delroy the hits Lindo, just keep coming. <laughs> like it's just Jamie Wayne Jr. Yeah, just just amazing. And uh, the vibe from the trailer is it, it kind of it feels more like a fun movie, maybe not an especially deep one, but just looks pretty fun and um i don't know i will settle for that uh so that's that's maybe the one i'm looking forward to as you mentioned second most (laughs) from this month (laughs) yeah the one that uh we're all looking forward to the most i think we could all agree is uh soggy bottom which is uh the uh, return of paul thomas anderson to the silver screen uh and it is very exciting it's a it's a 70s set coming of age story uh, it really is kind of making you wonder if it's going to have Boogie Nights vibes. Um, and it's starring uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's son, which is kind of crazy to me. Yeah. That Cooper, you know, right? what's that? Cooper Hoffman. Yep, Cooper yep. Hoffman. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I mean, I am just. I think we all on this podcast are just an incredible fan of uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's work, and his his loss was a, a tragedy for all of us. And I, he's yeah. just a titan of acting. Yeah. Um, capable of just about anything you wanted to ask him to do. Just the range that of his performances is kind of unparalleled. And so the idea that his son is going to kind of step in uh, to star in a movie with his frequent directing partner is both exciting and also kind of, uh, I feel intimidated for him. So, you know, I just, <laughs> but I can't wait to see what happens. Bradley Cooper is also in this movie. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm really looking forward to it. If anyone can make Bradley Cooper less punchable. I mean, I think that Bradley Cooper being a Paul Thomas Anderson movie sounds fantastic. So he, he seems like yeah. just the right guy for a PTA movie. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. And, and you know, I feel like a lot of the PTA movies recently have been a very uh, sort of foreboding uh, kind of a rueful comedy at best and a dark <laughs> depression of the soul at worst. And uh, And I'm excited true. for maybe a little bit of a lighter touch to this one. Well, we'll see. <laughs> Like, just by virtue of it being a Paul Thomas Anderson film, like, makes it my most anticipated film of the fall. Um, I do find, especially with, like, his last two movies, I wasn't sure what to expect based on the premises and ended up seeing them, like, multiple times and just really, like, feeling like I got so much more out of them each time. So uh, we'll see what this one is at this, you know, the fact that it's set in the San Fernando Valley definitely makes me think of Boogie Nights. Um, but yeah, just by, and, and I also, I think I just want to mention Soggy Bottom seems to be the title that is out there. I don't know if that's like the official confirmed title yet, so it might change. 
for a long time, it was assumed that that was a placeholder title, but now yeah. people believe that it might actually be the title because it has, you know, we're pretty close to release at this point. It's yeah. going to start showing up in festivals and it's still being referred to as Soggy Bottom. So I think that mm-hmm. is actually the name. Yeah. Well, we'll know no. when George Clooney and uh, Tim Blake Nelson and John Turturro start singing and <laughs> have confirmation. Are you, no, are you looking forward <laughs> to this one too? Oh, yeah, definitely. No, it's Paul Thomas Anderson. You always got you always got to anticipate something interesting, something different. I mean, my it's kind of interesting. My yeah. second most uh, anticipated movie is also a bit of a western, but one of a very different vibe, and that's the Jane Campion film, The Power of the Dog. Uh, oh yes, which is it actually at the time that we're recording this? It's just debuting at I believe the Venice Film Festival, and it's been getting rave reviews. I'm very excited. Uh, Jane Campion uh, is a director whose work, unfortunately, I have not seen much of but i have seen the the two season television series that she made with elizabeth moss called top of the lake and that is just like fantastic it's one of my favorite television series of the last decade it really made me fall in love with her as an as a writer director and i'm very excited to see what her and kristen's uh, Kirsten Dunst and Benedict Cumberbatch and Jesse Clemens are going to do Thomas McKenzie also in this movie. Um, right. Lots of double uh, double ups in our preview uh, this <laughs> this time around. But uh, but yeah, I'm really excited. Kristen, uh, Kirsten Dunst and uh, Jesse Clemens last co-starred in a project was Fargo uh, season two, which uh, is where they met and fell in love and got married. And uh, they in on the sh- which is really fun because on the show they like kill a guy by accident and have to like run from the cops. So it's a very romantic uh, way to get together um and uh yeah i'm excited to see them getting to share screen time with each other again and benedict cumberbatch is playing a uh, a loathful villain it appears so that's fun um he has blonde hair which is very um unnerving on him so yeah i'm really i'm really looking forward to this i'm excited that it's getting a lot of buzz people think it could be a really major oscar contender it will be released on netflix so you know we won't have to venture to the theater if we don't want to um but yeah i'm i'm really pumped for this and getting more and more pumped by the day i might yeah. end up doing a campion uh retrospective on, on my own time as uh, i prepare for this november release well i know that i alex i know that you are also pumped and i i too having just recently seen the trailer i am also very interested in seeing how house of gucci turns out yes um, i have to say i i I like the the choices Lady Gaga is making in terms of her shift towards like trying to become more of an actor uh, and more of a and, and sort of broaden her and bro- broaden her stardom basically. So I think this sounds like the perfect role for her. And I mean, just she, the rest of the cast is just insane. So she is making all of the choices in the House of Gucci trailer. At least um, her Italian is kind of very uh natasha from bullwinkle um which is awesome (laughs) uh yeah i'm very very excited i also know a little bit about what this uh movie is about like it's based on a true story and i know a little bit more about the true story than the trailer is letting on and and that makes me intrigued as well but just the Mm. idea of getting to see like (laughs) lady gaga and adam driver like just acting in a ridley scott movie about the gucci family uh, just like you know how do who says no to that Justin, mm, aren't you yeah. hyped for this? <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> it's funny. I was one of the things I was going to ask you guys is how do you feel about like have you guys seen a lot of Ridley Scott movies not set in a science fiction universe? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
because I feel like he can be like he can be great. You've got like Thelma and Louise, and then he can give you like a good year and Body of Lies and all these like pretty you know pretty mediocre to terrible films. But um, I you know it and then there was all the money in the world for a few years ago, which I didn't even bother to see. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, it it does seem Scott to depend is, on who he's working with. Ridley Scott is good for a good for a pretty great movie every few years. Um, and he's going to put out a bunch of movies in between that, those, and, you know, you just got to kind of like roll with it. The man is like in his eighties and he's putting out two movies in one year and you got to respect it at a certain point. He's got a perspective. He's really, he works with big stars. He puts on these lavish like productions and he gets, you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't, but I'm, I'm all in. Yeah. Except well, for when it's hmm. about the last duel, in which case I'm entirely out. So. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, no, I think in general, like I, I, I tend to find his works at the very least interesting. There's another uh, another film which will probably uh, I feel like has a good chance of being part of the Oscar conversation, if not a front runner, just based on what I've seen and read about it, um, is the new film from Kenneth Branagh, which is Belfast. Uh, this is a mm-hmm. semi or perhaps more fully autobiographical film uh, about uh, mm-hmm. a young boy growing up in Belfast, Northern Ireland, during the Troubles, mm-hmm. uh, which, uh, for those who don't know, was sort of a low-level war um, between uh, paramilitary organizations along with uh, the British government. And um, it was it's a, a very volatile time to grow up. Uh, the film is... Looks like it's in black and white. It has a very interesting cast, including J.B. Dornan, who's still riding that wave of goodwill from uh, Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. <laughs> and um, uh, I may mispronounce her name, so I apologize. Catriona Balf? Uh, yeah, Catriona Balf. Yes, who uh, has been in a few movies, including Ford v. Ferrari, uh, but also uh, is probably best known for starring in Outlander, the television show. Um, Outlander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then you've also got Kieran Hines and Judy Dench, like elder statesmen of just you know great great uh, British actors. Um, so yeah, it's a really uh, it's a really great cast. The like way I'm really intrigued to see how the story plays out because the vibes I get from the trailers that's very much about this this family trying to uh, you know keep to their integrity during this very volatile time. Um, and I'm curious to see how it plays out because I think it could be it could feel very run of the mill potentially, or it could be like a really um, well observed slice of life, uh, maybe something in the vein of something like Roma from a few years ago. I will say it doesn't look as artistically ambitious <laughs> as Roma, um, <laughs> but it could still be a vivid portrait of a life. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, we'll see what happens with that one. I'm, I'm yeah. curious. What do you guys? How do you guys feel about that one? I, I'm generally down uh, whenever Kenneth Branagh's name is attached to a project. He's an interesting guy. Uh, you know, got his start. You know, doing big. You know, you know, big bombastic Shakespeare adaptations that, for the most part, I actually think hold up very well. Um, yeah, yeah. He's no, also, he's, he's usually he's, he's usually though. interesting. <laughs> He either for his performance or for his directing choices, you know, like he kind of, you know, like he ended up being the perfect person to kind of introduce Thor to the world for the Marvel, uh, for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, stuff like that. So he's he's got a lot of range. 
Well, and I'm I'm happy to see him do something other than the you know murder on the Orient Express movies, which he's committed Val. to for some reason. Hey, <laughs> I I I kind of adore his French detective. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I don't. I would not you, put this. Yeah, I would not put this on my on my well, list of most. What is Belgium? Movies. Just a, a displaced Frenchman. Oh! That's the type of joke uh, Noah gets to make because he lives in Germany. Belgian audience. <laughs> I mean, you know, if we had like five Belgians, that would be a massive audience the for Dutch, them, right? Oh yeah. But displaced Germans. Oh! Continental <laughs> European humor, guys. This is really great. Um, but yeah, so I, I definitely, I wouldn't put that on my list as most anticipated, uh, but I definitely think you're right to highlight it because it, it certainly seems like one of those movies that could end up popping big. It could also be one of those movies that just like comes and goes and you never really hear much about. Um, but I think, you know, it could be this year's Brooklyn. You know, it could be uh, this, I don't think it'll be this year's Roma, but we'll see. You know, it could. Uh, I, I, it's been a while. I feel like since Kenneth Branagh has done anything with um, soul, I guess. <laughs> so I'll be excited to see what happens here. Um, but for me, I guess one of the things that I'm, another one that I'm very excited about, speaking of souls, uh, Eternals, you guys. Eternals yeah. is finally coming out in November. Uh, the trailers look interesting, um, you know, unusual for a, a, a Marvel film, but also kind of like just a, a very um, peculiar sci-fi epic in a lot of ways. The cast is really stacked with faves, and and I feel like we've just been waiting for this movie to come out for a long time, and I'm such a huge fan of Chloe Zhao. I'm so excited that she's a, won an Oscar now, won many, many Oscars, as a matter of fact, and you know, any movie that lets Richard Madden look into the screen well, like that is is a movie I'm here for, um, you know. <laughs> Plus, we got uh, Brian Tyree Henry, who's one of my all-time favorite actors at this point, yeah. getting to show, be get what I hope is a really exciting showcase. Um, Selma Hayek looks like she's doing a lot. Angelina Jolie uh, is someone who is in this movie. Like, I just, you know, there's a lot of stuff happening. Um, Kumail Nanjiani, of course. I mean, Gemma Chan getting a second bite at the apple for Marvel, which is a rare yeah. kind of opportunity, I guess, because she was, like, blue in the last one. It was okay that she comes back <laughs> as a different character. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It looks very unusual, um, and I think that it could be the sort of uh, outside the box sci-fi movie that people have been looking for, um, and I think it might disappoint some Marvel fans, but it might pick up some some new fans as well. So I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm interested to see what happens, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and it's the the premise seemed interesting to me. I didn't know a ton about it before I watched the trailer. Um, it's basically these group of like super powered beings who. Uh, have some sort of deal where they can't interfere with humanity except to combat these uh, these uh, these I guess like the, their counterpoints some these things these uh, beings called deviants um, which we do see glimpses of in the trailer um, so it almost seems to me like it could be about that sort of like what is their responsibility given their powers in this situation which you know I guess we could see how that plays out I We'll say I did appreciate a lot of like there's some really awesome special effects in the trailer from what I was seeing, especially with regard to the different places, like these sort of fantastical vistas that we see. Um, maybe a little less so with some of the fight scenes uh, looked a little bit dodgy at a few moments. 
But, um, you know, I, I do appreciate, I know Chloe Zhao has talked about how she wanted to bring more practical stuff to this film. And there are just some amazing landscape shots, which will definitely make you think of her past work. Um, at least again, from what I was seeing in the trailer. So, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty clear to me at the very least, she is not losing her identity as a filmmaker in making this. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. It's, I'm Mm. interested. (laughs) Noah, what do you think about this movie? We're obviously going to review it for the podcast when it comes out. No, I'm, I'm definitely going to see it. I, I, I actually, I'm actually, I would actually prefer to just know next to nothing going into it. I just want to experience it. Oh, well, I'm sorry to spoil it, that, to let you know that Richard uh, Madden is in the movie. Um, <laughs> I told you guys, I'm just vibing right now. <laughs> okay. Um, speaking of vibes, um, another film that I'm really excited to see is the latest from Pablo Lorraine, uh, which is Spencer, starring uh, Kristen Stewart, who is, of course, one of my favorite actresses. And uh, as... Uh, Princess Diana. Um, and it was a, a choice uh, that I was not really anticipating for her. Um, when I heard the news, I for a moment I thought, hmm, I wonder if that's a good idea. But because, uh, you know, of course, we f- are like overwhelmed with uh, British royal content over the last few years, uh, if we not really are. We uh, really you know, are. we're also going to be getting a. Uh, um, uh, Elizabeth Debicki, that's what her name is. Elizabeth Debicki is going to be starring as uh, as Princess Diana in next year's season of The Crown. Um, there's also a Netflix uh, filmed uh, musical, stage musical, uh, called Diana, uh, with an exclamation yep. point. That's all about Princess Diana. That's coming out this fall as well. So it's a lot. It's a lot going on um, with uh, with Princess Diana, as there always seems to be. But uh, Kristen Stewart is looks like she's really uh, doing a great job in in the trailer to this. People have finally started seeing this movie, and they say she's excellent. And and I just love uh, Pablo Lorraine. I love uh, Jackie. It's one of my favorite films of the year it came out uh, in 2016, which is a very stacked year of movies as as far as I'm concerned. So it's really high praise. Um, and I feel like uh, the interesting thing about about his him being the director is that he is all about vibes and about mood and about experience Mm -hmm. and that's the way that i want to see this story rendered most of all so i'm excited about it and also you know sean harris and sally hawkins are in this movie and they're just like great in everything that they do even (laughs) in a movie that i don't particularly like so so it can't be all bad yeah i gotta say i was initially um a bit uh, skeptical when I heard that Kristen Stewart was going to be in this playing Princess Diana. Not that I haven't enjoyed her, you know, especially in the last few years and things, but I was like, really? She's really Diana? She, and, she and Robert Pattinson have made me eat every word of criticism I had for them when the Twilight films were first coming out. Yeah, yeah for sure. They are like I, two of the best actors of their generation. <laughs> who just like needed the right opportunities um, yeah. and yeah. and got them and, you know, made the most of them. <laughs> and, um, yeah, but I, I, I agree with you about Lorraine. Like, I, I, I feel like Jackie is a film that I definitely I felt more appreciated rather than loved when I first saw it, but has certainly like grown in my estimation since I've seen it. And I think the fact that it embraces not necessarily like doing pitch perfect impersonations of these people, but really capturing an essence of who they are and sort of doing it in this very unconventional way. Like it's 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 almost hard for me to describe Jackie like as a film to people who are used to more conventional 
biopics because it is like you said it is very much about mood and especially about like perspective um and i'm really interested to see what he brings to this story about you know such a um cherished and uh, you know and important figure of the 20th century so um yeah should be should be fun yeah just like i want you to having experienced the last two years of the world go back and rewatch the scene where natalie portman as jackie just drinks wine and rolls around on the floor in dresses and coats i, I think that it just is going to hit you differently yeah <laughs> very relatable. well that sounds appealing for multiple reasons but <laughs> Okay, so I also (laughs) I want to pick your guys brain around the another Netflix film. Netflix is uh, omnipresent in this fall preview. Um, But this time around, we're going to be talking about uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's uh, direct film directorial debut uh, starring Andrew Garfield and Alexandra Shipp and Vanessa Hudgens and uh, Judith Light and Bradley Whitford. It's called Tick, Tick, Dot, 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 Boom! Exclamation point. Uh, And I watched the trailer for this today and had no idea that it was about the creator of um rents um i did not know that there was like a biopic about him until watching the trailer and that made me way more interested in it because andrew garfield uh playing gay is usually a good choice for him and uh <laughs> yeah i'm just and that's he's a very interesting the, the man that this movie is about is a very interesting kind of tragic figure uh jonathan larson um who wrote and who like created rent and kind of uh passed away before he got to see it become the cultural phenomenon that it was and yeah i i didn't know that's what this movie was about and that makes me much more interested in it even though i think lin-manuel miranda's vibe can sometimes be a little bit too earnest at times and that can rub some people the wrong way understandably um this feels like a good match in terms of content and uh, and creator so i'm i'm suddenly looking much more forward to this than i was a few well, i think it's i think it's a perfect match because if whatever you want to say about him and i have to say i i'm down for anything miranda wants to do lin-manuel miranda haters can check can check their way out the door as far as i'm concerned um whatever you want to say about him he is a massive maybe the most massive theater nerd so doing a biopic film about the creator of rent is like it like that is his wheelhouse so i i think that's definitely a combination that could that could yield something great and I'm also I'm also a big Andrew Garfield fan. So I have to say, when I first saw the title and directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, I thought this was a Hamilton reference because, like, click boom is a recurring line slash sound effect in Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. Um, but still, no, I, I think I think I'm definitely going to I think I'm definitely going to want to see this uh, once it's available. Just out of interest. I am not a Rent fan. I'm going to say that up front. Uh, and I don't think I ever will be a Rent. Like, they're... There are aspects of Rent that I appreciate. Uh, yeah, I'll say that much. But I would definitely, I'm, I have heard, I, I know a little bit about the, but not too much about the background story of the guy who created it. And I think that's definitely the material that could, that could make for a really good movie. Now, yeah. as a, uh, a theater nerd yourself, Justin, how are you feeling about this project? <laughs> well, unfortunately, I'm, I probably aired, I'm probably more on the side of the straight theater <laughs> nerd. Uh, that does not exist, Justin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. Who are you trying to fool? <laughs> I should say non-musical theater. Um, but I like. I think you're right to point out his bona fides, Noah, in terms of him knowing that you. I think he also just knows New York really well, and like that's something that seems to be really working here. 
That um, is his other wheelhouse. His first yeah. wheelhouse is theater, and his second. And he will let you know. New York. <laughs> but I think I think it's earned. Um, also, really, uh, really fascinated by Bradley Whitford as Stephen Sondheim. <laughs> so that's definitely something. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, man, Bradley Whitford, it just like late in life, is just getting to book and book and book all these really fun roles, and he just like eats oh, yeah. up with a spoon. <laughs> what kind of spoon? Is that a Sondheim reference? I'm not a theater nerd, so I couldn't. <laughs> no, I'm just making a joke about spoons. Just roll with it. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm vibing. I'm doing the best I can. Okay. Anyway, um, I have a question for you guys. Uh, hmm. Are you so excited for the Miguel Sapochnik directed film starring Tom Hanks and Caleb Landry Jones as a robot, which is the film Finch for Apple TV Plus? Oh, you mean the film that we mentioned in our summer movie preview <laughs> that was, I think, called Bios at the time? Yeah, yeah, it was called Bios at the time. Um, I mean, if and it's on I, Apple TV, I'm not going to be able to see it anyway, so I don't know what less, I think is relevant. We knew less about it at the time. I remember just knowing, I didn't even really know the tagline. I just knew it was like Tom Hanks and Caleb Landry Drones and Miguel Sapochnik, and it's about like a sci-fi post-apocalypse of some sort. But now I've seen like material for the film and it looks like it's just like what if Castaway but Wilson was Caleb Landry Jones as a robot. And um, I and like why is it directed by Miguel Spochnik, who is most well known for being a great action director? I can't really tell you. Um, I can't believe this movie is real. Um, I think that uh, it has been moved around a lot, but maybe not only because of COVID. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see if it warms everyone's hearts this holiday season. Um, maybe I'll eat crow, but this seems like a maybe a disaster. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, not not something I'm remotely interested in, to be perfectly honest. Um, I don't know, like. There's, I think when I first heard about this, I thought it was going to be more like, I thought it was going to be more like a sci-fi, um, like, like epic or something like that. And it definitely seems more small, small scale. So I don't know, I guess that could, you know, I guess there's been some potential there, but yeah, just everything about the premise just is not anything I'm really interested in. Can't believe they cast Caleb Landry Jones as an adorable robot. Like, what is that casting? (laughs) That's insane to me. And this was before he won uh, the Best Actor Prize at Cannes. Um, so it, I don't know. He seems to be seems to be pretty well known within the uh, casting industry. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think he's a bad actor. He's just like he's not the adorable robot. He is the scary looking guy in the alleyway who steals the adorable <laughs> robot and makes the little kid cry. Like that's who he is. So. <laughs> Um, speaking of crying little kids, did you guys know that Disney Plus is releasing a new edition of Home Alone called Home Sweet Home Alone, starring Ellie Kempner and Rob Delaney? I, I am heard as about eager this. to see that as I am to see the God's Not Dead sequel coming out in October. <laughs> Put those two right next to each other on the shelf Oof. and then light that shelf on fire and then drop <laughs> wow. a nuclear bomb. On it. <laughs> well, I guess there's that's there's all that's all there is to say about that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Mikey Day is a, is wrote the screenplay, um, and he is, you know, a talented comedy act, uh, actor and writer from Saturday Night Live. Uh, so maybe it's not awful. Keenan Thompson's going to be in it. Chris Parnell, you know, these are talented people. 
Oh, we didn't. Did you mention um, Archie Yates? Who I, I had not mentioned Archie Yates. Who was um, JoJo's adorable friend in JoJo Rabbit? Of course. I think he yeah. is like the titular Home Alone kid, right? I think so. Yeah. He's the star. Oh, and I just Archie. noticed Ashling B. Now, Archie Yates has the name of a, uh, like, mid-century, like, World War II, like, army general. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, if you heard, like, Archie Yates got into a series of disagreements with Winston Churchill and uh, ultimately lost that battle, like, you would not be surprised at all. Um, I wanted to, there's a few uh, quick ones I wanted to go through just to at least mention them. Um, One is King Richard which is mm-hmm. based, of course, on the uh, uh, Richard Williams, the father of Venus, and Serena Williams. It's about their upbringing and about their rise. And uh, it's interesting to me that it's filtered through the father. It certainly seems like this is a play to get Will Smith a nomination, if not a win. It's notable for being uh, the first time, I believe, that Will Smith has uh, paired with a, an African-American uh, director. Um, which is interesting, but that's uh, Ronaldo Marcus Green, uh, who directed Monsters and Men, which uh, did win Special Jury Award uh, for Outstanding First Feature at the Sundance Film Festival, but uh, it looked very didactic and not particularly great, and then he followed it up with the uh, extremely uh, didactic and cloying Joe Bell. So it's a really... um, unusual i guess creative uh move i think for will to be pairing with this director to tell this particular story about um venus and serena williams father uh so yeah i'm very curious Uh, it's going to be available on hbo max day and date so i'm definitely going to be watching this i agree that it's probably an oscar play most of all but yeah i think it could be a disaster um but i'll be interested to find out any thoughts from you, Noah, on that one? Do you have a particular invested interest in either the Williams sisters or their coach uh, and father? No, I mean they're I mean they're they're sports icons, so I think it's it would it's definitely worthwhile um, to have them be the focus of a movie or, or a TV series. You know, given given that you know sports biopics, like every other film uh, well, genre of film and storytelling, have been you know very white male focused. So yeah, but this movie is not about them; it's about their father. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, which I, I don't, don't hate. I, I, would I, sort like, of, I, I, I would sort of I would wait and see what the response is. Like I, I'm I don't have any strong feelings at the moment. I like biopic and historical dramas that take the perspective of the lesser known person right the person who's in the middle of things but not necessarily the most famous or notable person of the story i think that can oftentimes be a very interesting way to tell a story that everyone feels like they already know but i I, it just the optics are very odd to make a to finally get a chance to make a movie about these acclaimed uh female tennis players and make it be all about their father uh, it just is a, an, it's an interesting choice i guess mm. we'll have to see how it actually comes out i did have one more and we don't have to say much about it because i don't have a ton to say about it but i at least wanted to bring it up because i'm just what to think but uh we are getting resident evil welcome to raccoon city so they're we doing are. this. This is a reboot. Uh, it does not star Mila Jovovich. It stars Kaya Skolodario, who people might know from the film Crawl, which she was very good in. Um, and also Hannah John Kamen, who I've extolled on this podcast before. 
uh, in Ant-Man and the Wasp. So I don't know. I'm like, this does not seem like it's going to be good based on just the uh, just the subject matter. But at the same time, um, good cast. So we'll see what happens with that one. Yeah, I have I have zero yeah. zero zero I know. We're huge in anything Resident, Resident Evil, Evil fans on this podcast. But. Yeah, I've already it's not watched Pokemon. like no. eight Resident Evil movies, so I don't think I'm gonna start now. But yeah. happy for the fans. It was a very profitable <laughs> film franchise. Want, I guess. So yes. I don't know, but yeah, I speaking of movies that I will not watch, um, you know, other movies that are coming out this month include Ghostbusters Afterlife. Finally, nope. Uh, nope. the nope. Nope. <laughs> there's also the Walt Disney animated film Encanto, uh, starring Wilmer Valderrama, among other people. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I'm curious if you guys are going to watch either of those things, as well as uh, Red Notice, which is Netflix's big, uh, we can hire movie stars to be in action movies, and you'll watch it. Um, it's, uh, the Rock, of course, Ryan Reynolds, they're teaming up, they're unlikely allies teaming up uh, to take on the evil Gal Gadot. And I do think it's like slightly interesting that Gal Gadot is playing a villain, um, but I, I wonder if she's going to end up not being a villain by the end of the movie. Um, but we'll see, I guess. Uh, yeah, so those are a kind of trio of films that are coming out that I don't care at all about, but I'm curious if you guys do. Encanto, yeah. um, maybe. Uh, this is one of seemingly an endless number of animated musicals that Lin-Manuel Miranda has done songs for. Um, and I think also, isn't Stephanie Beatrice like one of the main? Yeah, uh, she is. On and I do yeah. like her, but, you know, I don't know. I'm not sold. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I, I have to be, you know. Unfortunately, not everything Stephanie Beatrice t- touches turns to gold, but she can only do so much. It's true. There's also another Netflix film, because, you know, as I said, Netflix is releasing a million movies this fall, uh, called The Unforgivable, which is an adaptation of a, of a foreign language miniseries from a few years ago. And this kind of got my attention because of the cast uh it's sandra bullock is starring as a as an ex-con who's kind of trying to make good uh and her co-stars include viola davis rob morgan vincent d'onofrio and john bernthal and i'm just like what how did i just find out this movie exists (laughs) yeah uh this was news this was new to me (laughs) i certainly hadn't (laughs) heard of it and i don't recognize the director Um, laura fingscheid i think you might pronounce it. She's a German director and screenwriter. Um, and uh, she's her most notable work appears to have been a short film from 2017 called Without This World, uh, which well, won some some awards at some festivals. I feel like if anyone's going to know her, it'd be Noah, but I'm going to no, guess. I've no, I've never heard of her. <laughs> <laughs> Wikipedia says uh, she became widely known for her critically acclaimed films System Crasher which debuted at Berlin in 2019. I have heard of that. I haven't seen it, though. Oh, with um, Helena Zandel, who was in in News of the World. Recognize that face anywhere. Sure, sure. Yeah, so that's that's cool. She's kind of a young, up-and-coming... Well, you know, she's 38, but that's young for a director. So she's a young, up-and-coming director. breaking out of Germany in a big way with the with the Sandra Bullock Viola Davis mm. picture. I'm excited. Aren't you excited now that you know it exists? I'm, we'll see. 
I mean, I definitely agree with you on that cast. That's yeah, just stacked. <laughs> I mean, can't Sandra Bullock and Viola Davis just be in one movie a year forever? Like, wouldn't that be great? Just yes. together? <laughs> At least. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, we have, uh, I think we've exhausted November, guys. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Um, and we December, can move though, on to December, yeah. Yeah, I feel like December is a bit lighter than November. I don't know. Yeah, uh, of the that's three what months, say, yeah. what do you guys think? Do you think that December is a bit light as well? It feels that way to me. Um, there are a few films that look pretty interesting. There's also uh, more of those franchise movies that we mentioned earlier. There's also some other ones that look uh, like they could be where I don't really know what to expect. Uh, but I will say uh, for me, and I don't know if you guys uh, have heard of this film, um, but one that I'm really looking forward to uh, from this year, or sorry, from this month is a movie called Flee, F-L-E-E. And uh, again, I want to bring it to Noah's attention because I think he'll be interested in it. It is an animated documentary um, mm. and tells the sto- true story of a man, Amin, on the verge of a marriage with his partner, uh, which compels to, him to reveal his hidden past for the first time. And he's actually, we learn, a refugee from Afghanistan, which, you know, might be topical. You know, I can't, <laughs> can't imagine why that might be topical. Me. Just, just um, slightly, just a little bit. <laughs> but this has gotten, like, really good views. It's played at festivals. Mm. Uh, sorry, good, good reviews. Uh, it's played at festivals. Um, mm. I've seen the, I've watched mm. the trailer and, uh, it feels a little bit, maybe not quite, um, as fantastical as something like Waltz with Bashir, but certainly playing in a similar arena, um, and using that animation as a way of showing how memory can, can kind of, uh, fold in on itself and, Wait, and change. It? How's it being released again? Uh, as far as I can find, this looks like it's going to be in theaters. I don't know. Yeah, it's getting a limited release on December 3rd. Okay, it's probably going to be a while before I'm going to have any access to it. It might be. I at least wanted to put it on your radar, though, just to because I will never stop trying to prove your adage that uh, animated films, you know, are for everyone. Well, I mean, you don't (laughs) have to tell any kind of story. It's a scientific fact, Justin. The the debate has ended. I've won. How about you guys? Is there is there like one film that really jumps out among the rest or? Well, we know that Alex is most excited to see Tom Holland in the next Spider-Man movie. Yeah, so there, there's a lot of stuff that sounds interesting, and it's more... Um, I want to wait and see like what, what the buzz is. So, like, Nightmare Alley being directed by Guillermo del Toro. Um, Don't Look Up by Adam McKay actually sounds pretty interesting. Um, the casts on those movies are insane. Yeah. Like, that, they're just... I can't believe that all those people are in those movies. Um, I am genuinely excited for the next Spider-Man movie. I really, I like the direction that the Tom Han Spider-Man movies have been taking. Um, although nothing will ever top into the Spider-Verse. But I, well, I mean, this is trying to do exactly that. <laughs> well, yes, that's true. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, then, a multiverse know, of madness on the Spidey side. December December twenty second has three movies come out at once. Where I'm just like, okay, I, I guess those movies will exist then. And. Um, <laughs> I don't know. We had that. We have a new Matrix movie, Sing Two, yeah. and somehow another Kingsman movie. The which Kingsman. I, as yeah, the first I really problematic enough. I really thought that the Kingsman came out already. Like I know that, <laughs> like it almost came out a couple of times, and I just can't believe it hasn't come out. Like I just like why are they holding on to that one? Like why not just release it? Like I don't, I don't get that. It's 
the third like it's a prequel of a of a of a franchise that has Wait, you know it's I don't a think prequel? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It's about it takes it's about the original King's Man. That's why it's a King the King's Man. Um and it takes place during like World War 1, I, I believe. Oh boy. And it and it stars Harris Dick, Dickinson, who I love. He's a very very talented actor and I'm happy that he got a paycheck for this hopefully, but um yeah, I don't I definitely I, I don't need to see astounding. that. Anymore. I find it astounding that that franchise has had legs. I really do. I mean, I like the first one. The first one is very charming, but it's the, almost the first entirely one has, thanks to the lead. The and lead it's Colin and Firth. also just the, the Colin Firth and the two scenes of of particularly inspired insanity um, that are genuinely just mind meltingly kind of amazing in their own way. But it's also, I I don't know. The, the second one was yeah. Oh, you you did see it. I did see it. Uh, oh, I did not see it. <laughs> yeah, I was done after the first one. So, <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, like I, I, I'm curious about the setting. Although it always seems like they're bringing in all this additional stuff, so I don't quite know how to feel about that. Um, I was, yeah, I thought for sure like Matrix Resurrections was going to be your favorite Noah of this month. Um, <laughs> although you know, we'll see. <laughs> I'm very skeptical about returning to that particular well. Yeah, they've but really. But it's, La- it's Lana Wachowski who is teaming up with David Mitchell, who wrote Cloud Atlas. They yeah. wrote the screenplay together. Like, how is that going to be bad? It's going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. It stars Yahya Abdul Mateen. Like, I mean, come on. There's no way this is going to be bad. This is. It's like the cast is not what I would ever have expected. At least when, it, like, certain actors, I'm like, oh, that's really cool. They're in that. I would never have thought they would be in a Matrix movie. You've got. Neil Patrick Harris, Jonathan Groff, uh, Priyanka Jopra Jonas. Uh, and then, of, I mean, of course, you've got, you know, return, some returning actors as well. Christina Ricci. Like, it's it's wild. In addition to. Yeah, but to... also Jessica Henwick, who was so, so good on such a very, very bad <laughs> television show called Iron Fist. Um, and yeah. but she was really great in that show and was did yes. really excellent work with her fight choreography. And I'm very excited to get to see her get to do that in a thing that actually warrants her talents. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. She's also very good in Love and Monsters uh, for anyone who saw that film. I think I think out of those three, The Matrix Resurrections definitely has the most potential to actually be good. Um, I'm yeah, so I'm excited just, for it. I'm so excited I'm, for the, the new Matrix. I've definitely like grown to really enjoy and respect the Matrix sequels, I think that they really get a bad rap because they just had this oh, yeah. level well, of hype I, I am, that you just couldn't meet. And and I think I that when the Wachowskis... I am in that boat of the Matrix sequels have been, have been hated on way too much. That's I'm definitely in that boat. But, and I also think, like, even when the Wachowskis miss, they miss in interesting ways. Like, Jupiter Ascending is a bad movie, but I was never upset to it be is. watching it, you know? Like, it is. So, so entertaining. I, and <laughs> this is so Lana's... This is Lana's first film alone without her sister, and that's also interesting. That I, and so I'll be interested to see what's different about it in that respect. And the David Mitchell quality is uh, very exciting to me as a as a as a really big fan of Cloud Atlas, like Noah. So yeah, I'm really excited for this, and I think people are well, sleeping on it. Well, not just Cloud Atlas. I've actually because of Cloud Atlas, I picked up a couple of his other novels as well, and he's an amazing writer, guys. Like he he's so good. Yeah, he's. I mean, I haven't read any of his stuff, but I've heard. Uh, I have friends who really like his his books, and I've liked the movie that his book 
was based off of. So, you know, no complaints there. But I, I'm also, you know, it's going to be really <laughs> between Matrix Resolutions and Spider-Man No Way Home, which I am, as Noah suggested, very, very excited for. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a really good month for blockbusters. I really hope we get to see these movies. I hope they come out. I would definitely watch uh, both of them in theaters. I think, uh, you know, Matrix is going to be available on on HBO Max. But I think, mm-hmm. unlike Dune, I think I would actually want to see that in a theater. Um I would make an exception of my general rule. But yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And Spider-Man No Way Home, uh, I don't know if you guys realize this, but it broke the record for most trailer views online of all time in only, I think, three days. Uh, it wow. really It had Not over surprised. 14 million views um, for the trailer. So uh, people are very excited about this movie, as I am very excited about this movie. I was not expecting them to... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, to be going the way of uh, One More Day storyline, which is maybe the most infamous, uh, a critical, uh, a fan, like a fan-hated storyline from the comics, where Spider-Man, uh, during the Civil War storyline, uh, reveals his secret identity, and it causes lots of problems. So then there's this story where he makes a deal with the literal devil to make everyone forget who he is, and it and it ends his relationship with Mary Jane, and it's like this, it's really reviles. Um, it's like one, and so to see, you know, Feige and company try to reclaim that um, through all of this, like, multiversal shenanigans that kicked off in Loki earlier this year, um, really cool and interesting. And, you know, there's so many rumors about who's going to be in this movie, who's not going to be in this movie. We have the the cast that's confirmed is really exciting. The cast that is rumored but not confirmed is maybe even more exciting. And, and you know, the, I've been hearing rumors of this is, like, Sony thinks this could be their end game and, uh, and that and i really hope that that's the case in terms of quality if nothing else Mm. yeah i i really just i really dig the premise of this like they really they really are delivering on that title (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) and uh yeah i mean i don't know like i i'm always just happy to see um like uh i'm just happy to see that they've been able to make these movies feel like their own thing like it doesn't feel like it's intruding upon like the spider-man movies that i've liked before it feels like its own thing and i i think that's great i think that's a good precedent Mm. for other you know not just for superheroes but for other incarnations of, of franchises that we've enjoyed previously yeah yeah and other incarnations that we might even see in this movie for instance um yeah but uh Justin, I want to ask you, you hmm. uh, Noah mentioned this movie as a film that he's interested in. Uh, what do you think about Don't Look Up, the new Adam McKay movie starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Rob Morgan, Jonah Hill, Mark Rylance, Ter- Tyler Perry, Ron Perlman, Timothy Chalamet, Ariana Grande, Kate Blanchett, and Meryl Streep, among others? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so... Um... I was a fan of the big short, really, really loathed Vice. Um, That (laughs) felt like taking all, like anything I didn't really like, the things that maybe I didn't like so much about big short, felt like taking that and amplifying them. (laughs) And I'm just really worried that this is going to be a film about people who see this thing happening. People don't believe them. They go around and everybody doesn't believe them. It just, hammering it into our heads over and over again um and i'm just really i just don't know 
I just really worry if that is going to be able to sustain a movie. If Adam McKay can do that, I just, he's just not my favorite when it comes to, to at least at this point, um, when it comes to the, the films that he's making, but he seems to at the very least be able to attract major talent for his projects. So, you know, he's definitely <laughs> Justin, got a skill. Are you not psyched? Are you not psyched for the cinematic debut of Ariana Grande? I mean, I guess I'm happy for her. <laughs> I, she, I, let me tell you, she has hosted Saturday Night Live several times, and she is a very talented comedic actress. So you could be derisive all you want because she's a pop star, but I think that she actually no, is a great opportunity derisive. for her, and I'm very excited for her because you know. I'm not being derisive. I, she's she's more than just a, a person who sings dance songs, despite the fact that she does that very well. So yeah, not um not super psyched for it. But how are you? I, how are you feeling about it, Alex? Well, I too hated Vice, but liked the great, uh, the Big Short a great deal. And also, you know, he is not the central creative force behind Succession, but he is the reason why Succession was able to become a television show. Uh, it was kind of his project that he teamed with Jesse Armstrong from Vite, uh, from Veep, and uh, mm-hmm. Jesse Armstrong is of course kind of the writer and the showrunner of that show. But Adam McKay uh, shepherded it, is executive producer, directed the first episode, set the the tone and template in a lot of ways and that's like maybe the best show on television so uh, he was responsible for a lot of like good stuff and then he made one really really awful thing i i just i'm curious like should that cost him all of the goodwill i don't know maybe it's a little bit harsh to 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 sink his stock that deeply um maybe not right away you know but i do i do share your concern that the movie is just going to be like oh remember how when COVID happened, everybody said it was a big deal. And then everyone else was like, ah, don't be stupid. Who cares? And then it was a big deal and ev- and it was bad for everybody. What if we did that, but it was a meteor coming to earth instead? Cause like symbolism, like that is well, definitely. Well, I feel like climate change is the obvious symbolism there. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think it's just like, uh, <laughs> there's ways in which this would go off the rails in very uh, obnoxious ways. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'm definitely excited to watch it. Like, you know, it's got Timothy Chalamet, and he gets to <laughs> he he gets to maybe even share scenes with Leonardo DiCaprio. Like that's exciting. Wouldn't you want to watch <laughs> a movie just George. for that? Timothy Chalamet, by the way, my understanding is gets to uh, have a, a bit of a romance with Jennifer Lawrence, Zendaya, and Francis McDormand, all in one film season. So, like, who's better than him? <laughs> yeah. That's that is that's range. That is impressive. Yeah. And enviable. Um so I I also wanted to ask you guys, how do you feel about West Side Story, the Steven Spielberg directed I do um, not know. remake? <laughs> yeah. I think it's a movie <laughs> that's that. coming out and <laughs> okay, good. people will watch it and have opinions. I mean Steven Spielberg is a master of his craft. As is Tony Kushner. But yes, although I'm infamously like Lincoln less than everyone else in the world, so Well, I mean, Alex, we're not used to you being wrong on the show, but <laughs> <laughs> I have to say here here's my issue. If you're gonna revisit West Side Story, my take is I would so much rather see uh, a Hispanic or preferably like a Puerto Rican artist or, or director or fil- or filmmaking team. Like, hell, get Lin-Manuel Miranda. I would rather see 
like a, a Puerto Rican creative team, like do a reimagining of West Side Story, then like, you know, like classic white guys who are kind of known for making very classic feeling movies. Not and like I love Steven Spielberg. You know, he's he is a titan of cinema for a reason. But West Side Story is not the movie where if I had to pick like, oh, what would you like to see Steven Spielberg do? I would not pick West Side Story. I completely get like the decisions that like, well, it was this big thing. It was this huge, like earth shaking, influential movie back in the day. So who do we want to like remake it? Well, get one of the most decorated directors alive and working today and like one of the most decorated screenwriters. I think it was actually the opposite of that. I think that the production of this is basically Steven Spielberg wanted to make a musical. And they said, what musical do you want to make? And he said, I want to remake West Side Story. And they said, "Okay, "Okay, Steven Spielberg. (laughs) And that was kind of the end of it. And then they said, who do you want to write the screenplay? And he said, I want Tony Kushner, my good friend. And they said, great, that sounds excellent. And that was kind of where they went and i think that they really thought that like it it would be a good idea to try to retell this story not like as a modern remake or like bringing it up to present day but like kind of reclaiming this for an actual authentic you know cast that doesn't feature whitewashing and and dubbing and all of this stuff um to and like kind of pay homage to what made it a classic film while making it a little bit more um you know, palatable for a modern audience. And I, I could see why that... Hey, they're bringing back feeling. Rita Moreno, so that's... Yes, well, I mean, I think you kind of have to bring back Rita Moreno. That'd be insane not to. Like, why? if you have that in your pocket and you don't use it, you're just a criminal of film, you know. You know, yes. one of those it, film criminals. Um, but, oh, speaking of criminals, imagine... unfortunately, Ansel Elgort is starring in the movie, though, <laughs> and that really does damper yeah. my enthusiasm. I... I imagine, okay, I imagine that the film will be perfectly technically competent and will be, like, a good, well-made film, but it is unlikely to, you know, set the world on fire or, like, be be the thing that gets a, a new generation into West Side Story. I you think know? it'll be the film that gets the most Oscar nominations on Oscar Okay, morning. that is also, yes, that is also extremely <laughs> likely. It'll be very competent and it'll get, like, 15 nominations somehow but i wouldn't be surprised if it comes home with like three wins only you know i think it it could be one of those movies but i don't have a personal stake in west side story that's not a movie that i have any real connection to so i have to say it was very foundational for me like it was one of those like my, my parents had a number of classical movies including a lot of musicals in two vhs sets like Dr. Shivago, West Side Story, Fiddler on the Roof, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, like two VHS sets in one giant sleeve. Um, and West Side Story was one of those movies. And this is the same time that like like I was picking up Amadeus as well. So they also had like single VHS movies, but they had a bunch of like the double VHS ones or like The Great Escape uh, was another one. So this was one of the movies that I, at a very found, at a very formative time, I watched a lot just because it was there. Um, so I do have a very deep personal nostalgia for that reason, for the, the classic West Side Story movie. Um, and it'll, it'll always have like I'll, I'll always have a, a, a certain a certain amount of warm feeling for that just based on that alone. Um, I mean, Justin, where are you at with this as a project? I mean, 
I I I'd say I tend to agree with Noah that if it were I'd probably be more excited if it were a different creative team. Um, I don't have a problem with them remaking West Side Story. I mean, it did originate as a stage musical. It's been revived countless times. Um, so I don't have a problem with that aspect. I do. I am definitely a fan of the 1961 original. Um, that said, I think there are other angles that could be explored. I think that it has like potential to be reevaluated, especially in a modern context with regards to immigrants in our country. Um, I just don't. I guess it just I'm just like, OK, but is that the story that's really going to be told by this and by these people in particular? Um, I, I don't know. I got to say, I've just been kind of uh, Spielberg has made some films that I love. Um, I'm probably less a fan of him than many other cinephiles. And it's been a little while since he's made something I've been really excited about. So I, I just don't know if I get super excited by Spielberg directing anymore. Um but is as is there any part of you that wants to know what a Steven Spielberg musical would look like? Like, is that a, a hook for you at all? Oh, sure. Yeah. I don't know if it'd be for this me. Musical. Um, not especially. <laughs> I'm trying to what recall was... if he's made any like I'm trying to just recall like musical sequences from his films. I mean, you know, there's like montages and yeah. You know, I mean, they're great set nature. pieces, but um. yeah. But I mean, he's <laughs> never made a musical. I, I catch me if I if you can has a very kind of dynamic like quality to it that almost feels like a musical sometimes. But yeah, that's a Spielberg movie that I think I kind of I I should kind of revisit because I saw it once right when it came out. Oh well, I think you definitely it. should. Yeah, it's excellent. It's maybe like mm. it's definitely one of his best modern films at the very least. Yeah. What's the last Steven Spielberg movie you've really enjoyed, Justin? <sighs> I mean, like this is <laughs> like this is what his last like decade has been. It's you know, in 2011 we had The Adventures of Tintin and War Horse, and then we had Lincoln, yeah. Bridge of Spies, The BFG, The Post, and Ready Player One. I think the Post and Bridge of Spies were fine. Like, they were good, solid movies. I would not rank them. Like, they, they did not approach my best of list for that year. Um, Lincoln, I think, was his last really, really good movie. It's crazy, like, how much less interesting that series of 10 years is than the previous 10 years. Like, from 2001 to 2011, you have uh, you have. AI, mm, yeah. Minority Report, Catch Me If You Can, The Terminal, War of the Worlds, Munich, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, like, and then The Adventures of Tintin in 2011. So, like, obviously not all of those movies work either, but I feel like, you know, that's, he's making a lot of big swings, trying out different yeah. genres, like, moving around, like. Yeah, yeah. Making great movies with great movie stars, and, you know, Probably. I don't know. I don't know, 90s Spielberg, looking at this just list, like just off, just glancing it through, 90s Spielberg is probably my favorite Spielberg decade. Yeah, I um, mean, well, rough, more than 80s speaking. Spielberg? Uh, there's a lot of stuff in the 80s that I've just not <laughs> seen. It's funny because I almost would, like, I there's like, a part of me that wants to say 70s Spielberg just because I love Close Encounters and Jaws so much. Yeah, but then you I also mean, have to eat like 1941. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> oh boy. So here's okay. Here's what I, I here's a uh, story time. I have not seen ET. Um, oh really? I've not I've seen, not seen ET Purple. either, honestly. 
I have not seen The Empire of the Sun. I've not seen Always. Yeah, I've not seen any of those movies, too, so... So it's like I feel like I feel like I'm not in a position to say whether or not I actually like 80s Spielberg or not because like I've, I haven't seen half the stuff there. Yeah. So. Yeah. But whereas in any 90s, case, I've seen all of those. It does kind of feel like, like maybe this like he should have tried to make a musical earlier, don't you think? But maybe he was. Uh, <laughs> maybe he saw what his good buddy uh, Francis Ford Coppola his. Uh, his effort to do that maybe he was scared off i don't know <laughs> and woody allen also during that era oh i forgot about that yeah oh, um, so yeah i guess it's understandable why he stayed away but yeah i don't know i i think that it's i i that's the only thing about this movie for me that is interesting is like the well what would a steven spielberg musical look like but i feel like the answer is maybe just going to be like well it's going to look a lot like west side story and then i'm like okay but that movie already exists so <laughs> yeah i don't know it's but moving on because we have to there's we're like pushing our time limit at this point but there are two (laughs) other movies that i really wanted to talk about very briefly before we go um well three actually oh geez okay well number one very short uh maggie gyllenhaal (laughs) is doing her what i believe is her directorial debut maybe her i believe so yeah at least as a feature film yeah, she's directed a number of episodes of television um, that were really good. Um, but it's called The Lost Daughter. Uh, it is uh, Olivia Coleman, Jesse Buckley, Dakota Johnson, Peter Sarsgaard. Okay, like, that's fantastic cast. Along with uh, Paul Mescal, who was great in Normal People, Ed Harris, who is great in The Truman Show, of course, a lot of other things. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, it's and it's, a, and it's an Elena Ferrante adaptation, who is a, an acclaimed novelist uh, responsible for My Brilliant Friend, uh, the, the books that uh, that show is based off of. And that's like one of my favorite shows of the last of the last five years. Uh, it's an Italian series that um, is uh, rebroadcast on in HBO. Uh, the third season should be coming uh, soon. I, I've been like desperate to find updates on that and haven't um, recently, but uh, it's very. I really, really like the way that Elena Ferrante tells a story, um, and I'm excited that her story is going to get a cast like that. And I think Maggie Gyllenhaal is a very interesting creative person, and I'm very interested to see a feature film from her. And it's going to be on Netflix, which means it's going to be very accessible. So I'm very, very much looking forward to that. That's kind of like my sneak sleeper pick yeah. of December. Yeah, really and she's wait. yeah, and she's like I've I've read just like a few interviews that she's done about the film, and she just talks about it as like a really joyous experience for her, like discovering her calling. And I just I don't know, I just like I really and like I really hope that energy translates mm. into the film. But I just the fact that she was able to get those people that you mentioned, um, the premise of it sounds really fascinating to me. Um, it just seems like uh, the stars are aligned for this one. So yeah, yeah definitely I, looking forward to it as well. I really, really hope it's good. It's it really has the potential to be great. Um, another movie that just recently came across uh, my desk because uh, it's debuting at uh, Venice, um, but it premieres on Christmas apparently, uh, and it's called Cyrano, directed by Joe yeah. Wright, starring Peter Dinklage. I don't know, guys. I think that might be a disaster, but I can't believe it's real. And so let's see what happens, I guess, is where I'm feeling on that one. What do you guys think? It is based Maybe on, Peter Dinklage could carry that in his shoulders. And they have performed it on stage with the with uh, Peter Dinklage and Haley Bennett. So there is some precedent for it. But yeah, I <laughs> we'll see how that translates to film. 
I would yeah, love... Joe Wright seems like a weird pairing for this material. I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, he definitely hasn't... Like, I feel like he he's done some really fascinating things in his career, just like marrying this almost like a theatrical setup with the cinematic form, which I think could be really cool for something like this. Um, I also maybe just really want him to have a good movie again. <laughs> so maybe that's part of my optimism. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm with you. I I want it to be good, but I don't know if it, I, I don't know if my uh, I don't know if I have the same kind of confidence in this one as some of the others we've mentioned. Mm. Yeah. And Kelvin Harrison Jr. is in it. And I really hope he's not playing a teenager this time, so, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the other the other thing that I wanted to talk to you guys about, which has not been dated yet, it's expected to be released by the end of the year, but it has not received a release date, so it may end up getting pushed. But it's a Netflix film, shockingly, because uh, they are the only uh, studio that releases movies, I guess. Um, and it's – have you heard of this movie? It's called Wendell and Wild. It's directed no. by Henry <laughs> nope. Selick, who uh, was the director of um, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas uh, and Coraline, two really just like excellent acclaimed stop motion animated films. Uh, this also is a stop motion animated fantasy horror f- comedy film, according to Wikipedia, um, directed by him and uh, written uh, by him along with a uh, Key and Peele, Jordan Peele and Keegan-Michael Keeley, and they're starring in it. And the plot is two scheming demon brothers, Wendell and Wilde, played by Jordan Peele and Keegan-Michael Key, must face their arch nemesis, the demon-dusting nun, Sister Helly, and her two acolytes, the goth teens, Kat and Raul. And that's all we know about it. And I just like, like a comedy sketch. It sounds awesome. Like, Key, we have, like, it's been a long time since Key and Peele have have gotten a chance to work together outside of like Toy Story 4, which is sort of like a different thing. And the fact that they're getting to come together in this uh, stop motion animated film by like the master of stop motion animation, I just like can't believe that's happening. And I just learned about it today. And I'm very, very excited. I'm down for that. Yeah. Yeah. This was news to me. <laughs> but, Once again, that's uh, called yeah. Wendell and Wild. I mean, I think it's just, yeah, it's just cool that Key and Peele are doing something together. I almost wondered if Peele was going to swear off, like, any kind of acting whatsoever from now on. So I'm happy to see that he's still doing that. Um, yeah, and he's he's definitely, like, it's interesting to see him pop up on a lot of, uh, you know, if not directing, like, certainly creatively involved with so many interesting projects, including yeah, Candyman from this year, which I still need to catch yeah, up with. Yeah, he's really using... He's really using his clout as a as a, uh, a star in Hollywood to really produce a lot of interesting work for a lot of yeah. different artists, yep. which is really cool. So, Oscar-winning screenwriter. Yep. He's he was the um, I believe he's executive producer on Lovecraft Country also, which is up for yes. a series of Emmy awards uh, mm-hmm. this month. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Fresh off I, uh, its cancellation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's. I just. I think this is a really cool project that I. I'm very excited to learn exists, and I really do hope that it ends up coming out in uh, by the end of the year, as it's expected. As I said, it does not have a current release date, but it is promised for the end of the year. So we'll see. All right. 
Well, we've certainly spent uh, a good amount of time talking about things that we're excited for and also wary about. <laughs> it will be really fun to see how it actually shakes out. But we should wrap things up. Um, so let's talk about where we can find everybody. Um, and let's start with you, Noah. Where can we find you? Well, in addition to my work here at the Cinema Joes, you should check out the uh, podcast that Justin and I did on the discography of the band Genesis, Pod on the Rooftops. And in addition to that, you should check out all of my written reviews and other media musings on my blog at francenoir.blogspot.com. Awesome. You can find me at uh, thecinemaverick.com. That's my website. I'm also on Letterboxd at The Cinemaverick. And uh, I, I guess I should also plug uh, our Genesis podcast, as I usually do, Pod on the Rooftops, which I mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, this is about the rock band Genesis. Uh, you can The best place to find it would be on thepopbreak.com. And uh, Alex, close this out. Yeah, so as for me, you can follow me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Media Thinkings. You can follow our show on Twitter at Cinema Joes. Uh, check out my Letterboxd for a uh, running list of all of the featured review films that we have uh, done on the show under the playlist uh, called Cinema Joes. Um, that is getting shockingly long, you guys. Very impressive that we're kicking at it this <laughs> still after all these years. Um, uh, in the meantime, you can also follow more of my work at thepopbreak.com. I am, as Justin said, a pop podcasts editor. Um, and that means that I host a one podcast, TV Break, that comes out the first Tuesday or the first Wednesday of every month over on Pop Break TV. Uh, but I also supervise a lot of other really cool shows about movies and music and pop culture of all kinds. Uh, the best place to find all of that stuff is to just go over to thepopbreak.com and click on podcasts to see what the latest podcasts are. You can also subscribe to Pop Break TV and The Breakcast. Thank you for that. And we also want to thank our uh, listeners and our subscribers. As always, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, and uh, we'll see how the summer, or sorry, we'll see how the fall <laughs> shakes out. Uh, but for now, this has been Justin Mancini for the Cinema Joes, signing off. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It takes a couple seconds. Okay.